Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. Oh, Triforce is rolling deep tonight. Brad Wechter, Jude Seymour, how are you guys doing tonight? Not too bad. We're feeling pretty good. Good to be here. Jude is so glad to be here. <laughs> so happy. So, hey, <laughs> uh, first of all, let me get some business out of the way. Please. Listen to this podcast, review, rate. Uh, we're, we're trying to do a good job for y'all. I think that some people think we're doing a good job. Some people have a problem with a few things, but that's okay. Um, you are, uh, according to my Instagram polls, are definitely in the minority. Uh, but please rate, review, uh, download this bad boy, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Because if you don't like something, if it is something that I can change, uh, I definitely will. Laughter is probably not something I can change because... I am just a happy-go-lucky motherfucker. So we are, <laughs> we are just going to roll along. So look, Notre Dame got a big 35-20 win over a top-20 team at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday. I, who was supposed to be there working, covering the game, was unable to because I have children, and when you have babysitter problems, uh, <laughs> things tend to get a little dicey. Uh, my wife had a big benefit to uh, that she had been working on for like nine months, uh, so there was no, there's no backing out uh, on that one. However, thankfully, Jude and Brad were both there, and they were in the enjoyment phase of it. They didn't, they weren't, uh, they weren't stuck in a in a stuffy room. Guys, you guys were out in the uh, in the stadium. I, I gotta know. It, to me, I watch you know watching on television. It, it didn't seem like the team was flat. It see it really felt like the crowd was flat on the jump, uh, and then it took a little bit for them to get rolling. It, it is it, you were there. You you felt you felt the thunder. How how did all that go down? Well, I mean, this was my first time ever sitting in the student section as a grad student, and I'm 32 years old. And I tell you what, they were more hyped than I was. Um, the grad students were hyped. I mean, yeah, the well, student section is, would be. The, I, would the entire, be I, I would have a lot of questions about the University of Notre Dame uh, student body if the student section wasn't yeah. the most high part of yeah. the uh, stadium. But it was very hype, and um, I, I'm too old for that. So uh, <laughs> I was I was exhausted by the second quarter, and everyone else around me was just like so hyped and and cheering for everything. Uh, no, I stayed the whole time. No, how, how much did you stand? I remember being in the student section for a few years. You don't don't just stand, you stand on your seat. You know that you know what really sucks is like November and your ankles are about about to give. I think it was about I must have been about 32, 33 in those years when I had uh, (laughs) season passes uh, in the student section. And uh, I just remember my ankles were shot by the end of the season. No, I'm not I'm not trying to deal with any of that. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the entire student section was hyped. It was very fun. Um, everybody was very into it. Uh, and, and, you know, like, as the game went on and the defense was playing very well, there were a lot of turnovers. The student section was, like, feeding into that. And that's where, like, that whole, like, you know, the 
the whole sort of atmosphere comes from that. It was it was so hyped. It was so much fun. Um, I mean, I ducked out after we went up thirty five to like seventeen because I couldn't handle him like some old man. But it was <laughs> it was so much fun to to be with those people for that much for for so much of the game. And you know, it was it was just like. Every little moment of the game, every every turning point, every turnover, every sack that the Notre Dame defense had was just so much fun to be around a bunch of people who were just willing to like yell and scream and stand up about it. Are you and, telling me you didn't stay to sway? No, I did not. No, oh I, was, I was halfway to I was halfway to the car. For shame, time. Brad. For shame. And you know what? Ten years ago, I would have been. <laughs> I would have been. But no. But it was still it was still an incredible time and. Um, that I mean, you hear a lot about like the Notre Dame, like the home game experience, not like the the wine and cheese crowd and people like sitting down and being mad that you that you're standing up. But you don't get that in the student section. That's what in I, the that, student that is, section. It, it is the good part. No, it, it, and it's so much better than just the normal experience. And I would compare it to you know going to I think it was 2015. I went to the USC night game that we beat USC by 10, and like that entire stadium embodied the idea of what was going on in that student yeah, the night, section. The night games do have a uh, the nice thing about the night games are no, no matter if. You know, I'm sorry you can't get a steak dinner after the game in Chicago. Right. But, but that game atmosphere at night is—I mean, it's—they—they they make sure it's a bigger game, anyways. It's not like yeah. playing Bowling Green at night. It's a bigger game, and, and you know, so the atmosphere is there from part, drinking all day. You're getting a right. right, but there's just a whole different vibe because of it. Like it's kind of like mom and dad went to bed, so right. you know, you're able you're able to let go a little bit. Now speaking but of that, dad, that was the student section during the day. Like it was a, yeah, it was a completely right, different experience. Right. And um, talking about getting a, you know, steak dinner in Chicago, we got a, <laughs> we got a flat tire in Hammond, Indiana, and I had to take a lift home. So I'm just lucky to be alive. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, that, hey, that's a pretty nice neck of the woods. So speaking of uh, of of a mom and dad, Jude, uh, I believe this was the the first game you took your son to. Is that right? Yeah, my uh, oldest son is six years old. He's going to be seven at the end of this month. Um, I got free tickets through the Alumni Association. Uh, Josh Flint from the Alumni Association actually hooked me up with tickets in Section 7, which if you've been to the stadium, that's where the parents of the the students sit. Um, So I was sitting uh, about 30 rows up. They were sitting probably about two rows up, but I'm very happy for them. At least Uh, you were sitting behind Kyle Hamilton's dad, who's like seven foot. Like... (laughs) I did not see Kyle Hamilton's dad. I saw. I, I saw. I saw him after the New Mexico game, and it was like I was really trying to pay attention to like who had sat behind him because because he is such a tall individual. Like sitting down, there's no way anybody saw behind you know, in front of him. Yeah. So um, we were a much more. They were. I mean, they were fine. They were absolutely great. Uh, they were standing. Uh, you know, intermittently. Uh, we were sitting for the most of the time. Uh, there was a five-year-old to my immediate left who was asleep in his father's arms almost the entire game, which, I mean, oh, he had he had, um, he had those little uh, noise-canceling headphones on or whatever, but at the, at the same time, you slept through a football game. That I think that should tell you everything you need to know about the, the relative uh, loudness of the, the of our <laughs> are, are you, so. He didn't get epilepsy from, uh, from like a light show? 
a la Georgia? <laughs> no, there was uh, there was nothing to disturb his slumber. Uh, he, he looked very cute in his father's arms, and uh, his father clearly just really wanted to be at the game, and, and good for him. Um, actually, the highlight for me was that uh, Jarrett Grace and Brent Council, who are linebackers, uh, yeah, I saw that from the uh, from the Kelly years. They sat behind um, me and 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 my son. And uh, when Notre Dame scored his first touchdown, uh, Jarrett said to me, you, "You know, do you think your son would want to go up for pushups?" Like hell, freaking yeah, my son wants to go up yeah. with you guys pushing. Like first of all, I don't have to push, which is fantastic. Second of all, like he was so happy. I mean, he, like two he great loved- things about that. Number one, Jarrett Grace, Ohio kid, Ohio boy. And anytime I mentioned Ohio and all that, Jared, Jared Grace is a is a big follower of, of the site as it is, anyways. But uh, there's, there's a special kinship there because of Ohio. But number two, usually the ushers come down on people doing push-ups outside of the student student section. I don't think they were going to give Ben Council and Jared Grace too much shit. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was that's it was- fantastic. I would, I almost like I wish I wish you would. I, you know, you kind of wish that they would have, and then it just been like, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, there was it was great, and and Jarrett was super accommodating of all my kind of corny questions. Like, um, you know, basically, the one thing I'm super curious about is if guys like that can just watch the game without having to diagnose the play. And you know, he we just talked briefly about. It. I said, look, I, I realize it's different defense, different calls, and stuff like that. It's different schemes from the time that you played to the time now, but. Um, like, are you sitting there going like, oh, that guy misses, you know, misses, you know, filled the wrong gap or whatever. He said when he first uh, left, you know, uh, football, he was doing that a lot. But he said now he's just a, he's just a normal fan. He he just he watches the game like the, the rest of us and kind of lives and dies the same way we do. And he doesn't think much about like, oh, that, you know, that linebacker was out of position or, you know, that safety should have moved over three steps or, you know, whatever, whatever he thinks the, the, the correct call would have been, you know, which was cool. Yeah, and Jude, did you talk to uh, Jarrett or Ben about what they're up to now, aside from just like giving your son a great time? Because that's a really <laughs> cool story. Like, but what are those? What are those guys up to? And uh, you know, I, I mean, aside from football, like that's that's a really cool thing that they did. There was um um uh, from what I could tell, I wasn't trying to turn around that much. And sure, sure. Disturbed their conversation. Uh, a fairly attractive uh, Indiana University graduate that was sitting next to a Jarrett Grace. Um, and so there you go, Jared. Um, some UVA fans that once they found out that he was a fo- that he played in the 2015 game because they'd asked him, Oh, have you ever been to our stadium? And he said, You know, he was really cool about it. He was like, He's like, Yeah, yeah, I've been there before. And they're like, Oh, did you come down for the 2015 game? He's like, Yep. <laughs> and so, like, later they were just like, Oh, like, you know where did you sit or whatever? And he's like, well, I was on the team and you know, both, we, we were both on the team and uh, you know, we played. <laughs> oh man. He's like, did you see the field? And he's like, yeah, Jared's like, yeah, I played. <laughs> he was like, very, <laughs> he, was, he was very low key about this whole thing. Like, or, you know, I mean, I don't remember if he was the starting uh, Mike linebacker at that point, but he certainly was. In 2015. Well. I thought he was. I mean, I- yeah, I mean, it was his fifth year that, I mean, it, so I don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact, formation for the virginia game but um <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny so the the uva guys it was very funny because one of the uva guys was like yeah well i played o-line for liberty or whatever <laughs> you know <and> it's, <laughs> trying to make it seem like his uh experience was like oh i feel you brother you know what i mean like they, they were the same and uh, 
Jarrett was being very cool. He was being. I know Liberty. Cool. Liberty just snuck one out against New Mexico last week. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, Brad, I overheard Jarrett say that I think he said he was looking at medical school. So oh, okay. He definitely said yeah. he was over. He was over the football thing because yeah, he does not miss all of. I mean, he he broke his leg if you recall, and I believe it was the Arizona State game from two thousand. It was, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, was, yeah, and that was and, brutal. He said he said a couple of times when he was kind of explaining the story. uh, He's like, I basically couldn't walk for two years. So bring himself all the way back to not only play, but then get a chance for a I think he did like a a mini camp tryout with the Bears or something. Yeah, practice squad sort of like, you know, or um, summer camp with the with the Bears or whatever. Um, And then he just there wasn't a there wasn't a fire inside of him to continue as. As far as I can tell, this is, feels really, it feels very awkward for me to over uh, recount a conversation I was overhearing, but not participating in. Yeah. So I feel, no, I feel no, like, no. I feel like maybe if Jared Grace wants to be mad at me about this, then he's well, we'll just leave it at that. Then we, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Ben Council, but I know Jared Grace is a cool cat. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is the thing that I'm always curious about because you know, I mean, Notre Dame is so much more than like a football factory. It's a school, and you always you're always curious as to what these kids get up to when they become professionals. So I'll tell you what: the the longer and longer that I've that I've covered the team, and I've been doing this since '07, and and every time I go up there, it seems like every year I see more and more former players and, and not just like the, like the superstars, you know what I mean? But like, just like random guys, you're like, Hey, wait a minute, you know, just, and not really even random, you know, like I, I the first person I thought of was like Vontaze Duff, who is not a random player by any means, but just kind of like, you know, you, people are thinking like they're looking for Tony Rice and, you know, cause like that, but there's, it, I always, I enjoy seeing them up there. I don't, and I don't go up, you know, I don't go up to murder like that. You know, let the people be, but you know, I do enjoy seeing the guys come back and yeah. have it, have it a good time on game day. If they're out there tailgating, they're with their families that come in it, that whole aspect of it. I really, and I know that goes on in other places. I mean, I'm sure it does, uh, you know, a lot, but it just, it's nice to see there at Notre Dame be, because of what you said, because it isn't just a football factory. There's everything they, they go about trying to, to, to intertwine the athletics programs with the student body itself, you know, it all kind of makes, it all kind of makes sense, you know, when you're, when you see it in that, in that light. Yeah. I mean, last weekend it was Sheldon day. Sheldon day was at the game last weekend. Was his mob with him? I, I don't know. But we got to get her back for a couple of games. That, and, that, and, but, but it was really cool to see, like, to remember what Sheldon day did in 2012 and 2013. And then to like be reminded of his professional career and what he's doing now, I think well, that was really cool. You know, it was a fun moment because uh, you know both those guys had played with Sheldon Day or whatever. So not only were they very excited to see Sheldon, but the highlights. Uh, you know, Jarek Grace is all of a sudden now on the big on the big screen. Well, you know, it's a highlight of Sheldon Day making a play, but you know, Jarek's there or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up there on the big screen. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 Sheldon's mom. Uh, the one thing I was going to say was I was walking past the stadium probably an hour, an hour and a half before kickoff. And I walked by this guy that very definitively looked like, uh, you know, he was a former player. And he's like, he was introducing himself to somebody. He's like, hey, I'm Corey. 
And it was no undoubtedly Corey Mays uh, who played for Notre Dame uh, back in the day. So well, Corey uh, it, does like a post game show now. Oh, does he do a post game show? Okay, cool. yeah, he, him and uh, he's he's with Darren Pritchett. They do the inside Notre Dame football thing now. Okay, I thought he did that with Evan Sharpley. I didn't realize Corey was involved too. So, Let's oh go. no, yeah, it was. It's definitely Corey. But I, yeah, I uh, Corey Mays, yeah. which I didn't know until this week. I since I was at home for, for all this, uh, it was I had some extra YouTube time uh, after the game, and and that came on or that came on like right away after the game uh, with Darren Pritchett and and Corey Mays. So so yeah, they got they put him to work. So Josh, one of the questions I want to ask you about staying at home was: Did you get, did you feel any more comfortable with the SkyCam usage than you Absolutely did? Absolutely not. Sure. Absolutely not. The good thing about being at the game for the New Mexico game when when the shit hit the fan was that number one, Notre Dame had me in the the bad press box seats, which is right up on the glass, and all the TVs are above our head. So, like when you're sitting back, when you're up on the second row. You use that. You'll you'll look at it a lot, right? For replays, so you get catch what you do. When you're in the crap seat, like I'm at, you got to really kind of sit back and look back. And I don't do that near as much because I feel like I'm gonna snap my neck. Uh, so I didn't I didn't quite get all that during the game against New Mexico. Is when I watched the replay, <clears throat> and then but but having seen the replay of that game and then watching the Virginia game, there was a considerable decrease in usage, but there it, it it's not going to work because you know they don't know when a certain play is going to happen right and some plays are just there's a lot of plays that are just terrible with that like the the pass to fink i know they want to bring the stadium experience to people is what they say but nobody is hovering over the fucking stadium like a falcon moving <laughs> around i mean you're you're stationary one more bit so that was still that was that was still rough between that there's a couple of plays in particular, the, that, that nice deep pass um, on the out to Fink. And then like, uh, I think it was on the first drive with Virginia when Julian Aquara looked like he was just about getting, you know, could was right there. Could tip it. Um, that was another one that was like, it was just a shit angle. Uh, and there, there was a few more. It, it was horrible. I mean, it, it really was bad. And I do know this game come coming, the Bowling Green game, that's going to be uh completely no sky sky cam i believe so you're absolutely right there's no sky cam apparent according to eric hansen's reporting that decision was made six months ago although it was only revealed within the last week or 10 days i, lo- I love those tidbits yeah like, but no, no sky <laughs> cam. Decision months ago yeah so the one thing i'll tell you is um being in the stadium they played julian Aquara's hit on bryce perkins and ade's recovery I would one. say conservatively 15 times because remember that went to replay. And so they just kept playing it over and it was so, it was so glorious. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Now, you know what, as much as I've, I, I must've watched those, those, all the sacks like a hundred times over, but well, for some reason, for some reason, I, I'm not, I'm blanking. The one where the one where the strip sack with Ade scoring was that one of the ones where – that was the one where Aquara like, jumped at him like a fucking tiger out of a tree first, right? Like, the, you see – The guys – the UVA guys behind me was like, oh, they're looking at that for targeting because it looked – if at first blush, full speed, it looked like helmet right. to helmet, but it was more like 
helmet to shoulder. I mean, he bar- he literally buried him. Yeah, uh, I think if that's the one I'm thinking of, it was like before, like five yards or like, hell, it was probably more than that, maybe almost 10 yards away or seven yards away. Like Julian had jumped up in the air with like both arms out, like, like, yeah. like, like, you know, pounce. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah that's it, right? Well, that's I scary. thought if I'm Perkins, I think I just about shit myself. That looks scary as hell watching it as a fan of the man jumping. Right. <laughs> like, oh, it, God. Well, I thought, I thought that he did not actually fumble. I thought he held on to the ball until he hit the ground. Dude, that and then I, he let go of it. So after they showed after they showed the uh, replay on the scoreboard or on the uh, jumbotron, I was like, they're going to turn this over. And then they showed it two or three more times, and I saw that the ball was just like literally like rolling over on his chest, and then went to the ground before he picked it up and scored. And I was like, okay, that's a touchdown. Oh, the, someone had said it um, like uh, afterwards in analysis or something like that, but someone said that is an elite defensive end move. Just the way Okora yeah. had, had him there and was able to, you know, have the have the the know it all, you know, to, to be able to be there and to put his hand right on that ball and knock it. I mean, everything about it was technique supreme. The second, oh, yeah, no, the one with Ade, the one with Ade was brute, like just brute uh, brutality. But the one, the first one that impressed me was. He he was sacking Perkins, and as as it was going down, that's the first yes. recovery. He's yeah, like yeah. literally ripping it out of his hands, and like and then like laying on the ball. It was it was that was. I mean, that's exactly what we've been waiting for weeks to see. That's well. And I'll tell you what, though, if that you have got to give Clark Lee, Mike Elston, the entire defense, really the entire defensive staff, a ton of credit because number one, Notre Dame is number one in the country right now in turnover differential at plus nine. And when you watch our defensive players, every single one of them, I mean, Wes has got, I mean, he's got as grumpy as he is, he's got to be giddy about what he's, what we're seeing this year. And every single one of those players is going hog wild on the ball. They are trying everything they can to strip that ball out. from. We haven't seen that before. You know, the I mean, that I felt like there's been several, uh, not several, a couple of instances where guys gave up three or four more yards because yeah. they're sitting there nope. ripping at the ball. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a, you know, just one of those, one of those things, you know, are you going to take the chance? You know, you, you're never going to get the big play if you're not taking the chance. Right. And as frustrating as it is, as you see those guys get a few extra yards and because they were in there trying to rip it away. I'm glad they're in there trying to rip it away because it's games like this where, honest to God, the turnovers made all the difference in the world in this game. I mean, eventually, you know, the defensive line just just closed house, but it was because of those turnovers because of the fumbles, and it was because of the fumbles that caused the interception, and that really set this game, set the tone of this game, and was why Notre Dame won this football game. So. I'm all for it. I mean, just go get it. Go go get that ball. Yeah, and I mean, think about, like, before the season, we were talking about how the defense was going to take a step back, but the offense was going to be so good. And it's been just, you oh, know, exactly exactly as we've predicted. It's, it's it is absolutely opposite. incredible the turnaround the linebackers have took from Louisville, New Mexico. And, I mean, 
not even really during not even really New Mexico, but they did get over 200 yards rushing in that game, so you can throw that in. But what they've done against Georgia and against Virginia, I mean, Notre Dame's rush defense now is ranked, I believe, like 71st in the country. Uh, they're right behind Oklahoma at 70th. But you got a MAC opponent coming up, and I think this is the this is the game that evens you out, that shoots you back up into like the top, maybe not maybe top 40. Top 35 rush defense, you know, they are like world beaters out there, but it's, they have, I mean, what was, what was the rushing total for Virginia? Four yards? It was negative at the half. Yeah, I, I, don't, yeah, was, I don't know that they got to five yards by the end of the game. I, I think it was, I think it ended up being four yards and yes, sacks are a part of that. Whatever. That, that's just, that's how it is for everybody. All right. So you, you can only go off of what you, what you can go off on the stats, but they're doing their job. I mean, Drew White, Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa, uh, Asmar Bilal. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, the the opening kickoff, Asmar, the, the hit he put on, uh, you know, on the kickoff return. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in awe of what these guys have been able to do because we all – that was the biggest question mark coming in really, right, was what are we going to do at linebacker? What, you know, what about these, these young defensive tackles? And they showed up. I mean, they've, they've, I think they've exceeded our expectations now to this point. You know, honestly, after four games, I think they've exceeded what we had thought that, that they would be. Honestly, if Asmir Bilal continues his performance this year, you're, you guys are never going to hear the end of me being right about that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're never going to hear the end of that. It's definitely I, absolute, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah I, I will always take it. I told you so. Uh, but it turns out being a positive. <laughs> but I, got I, no problem make, that. I wanted to make a quick note. Um, I think Bo Bauer is the new Nico Fertitta on special teams. He just loves lighting people up. Dude, that I, is my dog right there. Bo Bauer. Yeah. He had three That's tackles. Good point, yeah. Bo Bauer had three special teams tackles yesterday. Look, coming up to the Bowling Green game, they've got to find they got to find a way to get him out there for a couple quarters. Just to to play some football. I believe in Bo Bauer. I I believe I mean, before, before the Georgia game, I was a big, you know, big advocate of, I don't give a shit if he is a half step slower than what you would like. The guy runs downhill like he does not care about his body or the body he's about to hit. And I love it. And I mean, that that's just, that's physical football. He's doing that right now on special teams. He's been fantastic. I, 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 I want to see more Bo Bauer. On the other side of that coin, I can't imagine this is the senior season that Chris Fink thought he was going to have. I mean, it's just, um, it's been rough. It's been. Yeah, I really wanted to bring this podcast down. <laughs> I, I know. No, it. That, I can't explain that, it. That I, fumble, just, oh, it, your heart breaks for the kid because, um, you look, know. Look, Fink's, Fink got put. I, I will explain it a little bit because I, I thought about this. I think yesterday for a smidge, you know. He was asked, I think has been asked to play outside of his, his normal position, which I didn't think anybody. In fact, I know there was no beat writer. There really wasn't anybody that thought that, you know, that he was going to be doing this poorly, you know, out there on the edge, you know, and then not to say that that's where he's been all the time, but there's been some, th- there's things going on within that, within your depth chart, moving them around positional, you know, positionally and within our alignments. I think it's just kind of thrown him off a little bit. And 
you know, to see him muff a punt like that, which is just not, I mean, all of it's out of characteristic from what we know about Chris Fink. And I think the good news is, is that we've seen him play a lot better. So I think there's still a chance for him, you know, for, for the season to, to definitely redeem him. I mean, he can go out starting against Bowling Green and then, you know, then run the rest of the season playing just like he did. And it, it wouldn't shock me because he, he can't, I, I, I can't see the, the downward trend continuing for Fink. I just think that there's going to come a point where, you know, he gets back to, to being what, what we all expected. I think with Michael Young being back to, to take care, you know, take control of that, of his side of the field, Claypool on his, I, I think we're going to see, um, see a little bit more from Fink than what we have, at least not uh, poor play anyways. With, um, with Keyes' injury at least being leaving him out for this week, what who do you see as in terms of the next in on the rotation? Uh, I think Joe Wilkins right now. They had him listed. Look, Joe Wilkins is a name that they've they've tossed around since last year as a guy Look, that they like a lot. Lindsey's still struggling with concussion issues, or what? What's no, Lindsey? No, Lindsey's backing up Young. Okay. So I mean, you're, you're just talking about two different positions, you know, all together. And I'm still, I would. I still think McKinley would come in uh, for young anyways. You know what I mean? Uh, j- just the way that it, their depth chart is not a rock is not an exact science. It's just like, la- you know, last week when, when uh, Dalen Hayes went out of the game with an injury, it was Jameer Jones that was basically filled in for his spot and played. And he played most of the game when he was in, he was playing the shark end yet. He was listed as, as a big end and this week again, he's listed as a big end, but I guarantee you the guy who's going to, who's going to relieve, um, you know, Aquara is going to be Jameer Jones. So the depth charts aren't rocket science. I think, I think there's a, I don't have a Rosetta stone for him, but I, you know, I think there's kind of, you, after watching the games unfold, Number four games in, you can kind of see how they do the rotation. It's just like the offensive line, you know. They may have someone listed there, but you know, Roland's the, the next guy in on, on one spot. It'd be love, you know, the way that all works. Yeah. I just don't. I don't. Th- I'm not sure about Lindsey's um, concussion stuff, and I. J- I mean, I know p- fans don't want to hear it. I just don't think he he's ready, according at least according to the coaches, for the bigger games right now. I think if, if he's physically, you know, capable this week against Bowling Green, I, you know, I think you'll see him a decent amount. I mean, and why wouldn't you? I mean, it's Bowling Green for God's sakes. Um, so if you don't see him a lot, that he's probably still having some issues is what, I, is what I would say. This is a good opportunity for Phil Cherkovic to play more than he did against New Jerkovic. Mexico with, with the, um, with the thigh issue. So I'm, I'm, I can only assume that that's gotten better and he's, he's good to go. And, Maybe we'll see him for more series than 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 we did the last time, and that's nothing. Take nothing away from Brandon Clark. I, I'd watch him again too, but um, you know this. What, what's the line for this game now? Forty five points. Is that right? Did it shoot up? It was forty four and a half. Is what it opened up at, which is, I, I think it's the the biggest spread Notre Dame's had at home since, or really since like you might have been talking about this on Twitter too, like SMU in eighty nine. Something the like that. line in 89 was uh, yeah. 54 points. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's been, it's it's this is the game Ricky Waters runs out of bounds. 
no Notre Dame did not cover. Uh, that's, yeah, they, they won by I mean, I am very tempted to put some money down on it. Forty-four and a half points is a lot, but you, you start. But you start looking at like, look at look at when Kent played them for God's sakes. Yeah. Their own, their conference opponent in the MAC crushed them. Absolutely crushed them. I mean, it's it's absurd to think it would. If Notre Dame doesn't beat them by fifty points, it's because they were putting in half walk-ons middle of third quarter. Clemson did it something the other day where they played all one hundred and fifteen players that they had or whatever. Like that would be awesome. You well, know, we played. I think eighty-two guys got um, got PT against New Mexico, yeah. which was a lot, which yeah. is quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, that'd be great if they could. They could uh, squeeze in pretty much everybody. I mean, it's always good to get those guys that are that are in there every week, you know, battling out on practice, you know, being basically live tackle dummies, uh, getting the shit knocked out of them. Good to give them some glory. Get get them out in that field. Get them just a little taste of of this is what you're working for, you know, as as a thank you to them, you know, for for everything that they do and how hard they work. I'm 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 looking. I'm looking forward to the Brian Van Gordon Gorder's return. I can't believe he's still employed. Uh, I I actually thought for sure that they they would fire him before he got to Notre Dame. I just felt like the way that Bob Davy, the whole Bob Davy reunion, got scuttled. I thought you know. Well, I mean, we all thought he was going to be at Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. just like um, not a miracle, but some kind of weird, like the universe. The universe is like saying is giving it to us. You know. Like you are gonna have, you, we're gonna put BBG in front of you, no matter what. You know, you get your shot at this man. You know, not at all surprised to hear Brian Kelly say that he hasn't kept up with him. You know, even though they were friends for a long, a long time. A I long mean, time. you know, that, that was an awkward yeah, ending. That, that, that's a hard. That, that's a hard situation to come back from. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I if, if I had you, like my my two best friends live in Cincinnati and Columbus, which are about three hours away from me either way. And we have a hard time, you know, keeping up with each other and talking. We aren't the Facebook guys. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think either one of those guys are on Facebook. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like, we have no idea what the other ones are doing. It takes like a straight up phone call. And then you have to time it right because that phone call ends up being like a three hour phone call. So, you know, those are my best friends. Like, guys that were like standing next to me at my wedding, you know, I wouldn't say BVG was a best friend of Kelly. They were friends. So just to like, to keep up like the contact, that seems like, uh, that seems like a normal kind of, you know, if you, if you run into him at a coaching clinic, you know, in a couple of years of the first time in like five, six years, that would seem about, about on average. Brian. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I'm now I'm imagining like some like a like a CD bar, uh, you know, like New York City, something like that. Like Kelly just kind of like walked in, you know, and there's BVG holding court around the piano. And then Brian Brian says to Packy, "Let's get out of here. This seems like the wrong kind of crowd." No, no, BK's out on his own. He's out on his own. He thought he'd he'd live it up on uh, for a few hours out on his own. Boy, I really have thought too much about that fantasy. So <laughs> I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about the Virginia. Game. Yeah, but let's, let's take a break for our sponsors. 
Thank you, Jude. Thank you for being uh, the one with the brain, for sure. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back. back. We're going to talk some more Virginia, because, to tell you the truth, I mean, we really don't need to talk much about Bowling Green, so stay with us. All right. So, I, I think one of the things that we keep overlooking uh, when discussing this game, and maybe it's just... Maybe it's just the, you know, the crackhead circles I run around in or whatever. I just don't think anyone's given Tony Jones Jr. enough love for the game he had. It was 130 yards and he had a seven, like a 7.8 yard average. I, he was out there grinding yards, but it wasn't like, you know, like a 105 yard performance. Like, I, you know, I don't know. It, it it's, was a lot bigger to me. Um I mean, it doesn't seem like he's getting enough love, but he looked really damn good running the football. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think the uh, the major criticism of Tony, Tony Jones Jr. is that he's not fast enough, right? He looked like, good on that 30-yard touchdown run. Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. But there's I would uh, say, plays I would that... say the criticism isn't that he's not – he seems fast enough to me and always has seemed fast enough to me, but he just doesn't have – the Dexter Williams burst. He doesn't have the Josh Adams right. top end. And a lot of people think that um, Jafar Armstrong does have that burst. And I think a lot of people are pointing their blame at Chip Long for calling the wrong plays, you know? They're, they're saying, like, like, Chip Long is calling these long plays that take a long time to develop, and they're not downhill the way that Tony Jones Jr. would really – like benefit from well, see, maybe that Whereas, was the difference on Saturday because I I felt on Saturday, it w- it was more straight line. It, it was, I mean, so much of it is, is is zone blocking, so it's not like a zone right, like a zone read right. kind of a thing. But it, it did seem very much more like like a, you know, like a fire, like a, like a like a like a quick, uh, a quick dive, you know, whatever. However, I'm not really good at it. Wasn't a, it wasn't taking five seconds uh, for him to get two yards near the line of scrimmage. So, so burst through. So let me ask you this, like given the play calling against Georgia, if we had Jafar Armstrong against Georgia, what do you think happens in that game? Do you think like we have more uh, running yards than we did because we did not run the ball well against I, Georgia? We absolutely I, have more running yards. And, and I think, I think, I think the Georgia game was lost in the first series of the Louisville game. Because Jafar Armstrong was was going to be it was a difference maker. I yeah. know, but I still think I I, eh, I I still think that that Notre Dame does a very similar thing at Georgia, uh, even with uh, with Jafar Armstrong. Not, but I think that him being used in different ways, as far as. Um, you know, like within the passing year, I still think Notre Dame was going to go to to Georgia regardless, with more of a pass mentality. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, how much that now? Now, how 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 big of a difference that that makes? Uh, you know, is is that the six point difference? You know, I I don't know. Um, you know, in, but I think they can make enough. So I'm a little bit with you, you with you, Jude, saying you know maybe Jafar Armstrong. You know, Jafar Armstrong could have been the piece that could have won us the game there. I, I don't know. I, there, Georgia's a really good football team. So it's, it's watching that game. It's hard for me to think too many things could have gone much better differently, uh, you know, in our favor, but 
but yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a possibility for sure. Oh, you had Jones at how many yards? 131 for yeah. the Virginia yep. game. I've got him at uh, 68 yards after initial contact. That means uh, somebody laid hands on him, you know. And sometimes it's 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 enough to 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 for me to think that guy could have tackled him. Um, but that means 68 yards after he got touched, which is great. And I also have him down for one, two, three, four, five, six missed tackles. So he either created uh, six people to miss him, or or like just outright they like they laid hands on him, but they couldn't drag him down, which is good too. Yeah, I mean, the, the the kid had three touchdowns. I mean, I I just if this if this was Dexter Williams, let's let's just say, let's just take this this performance Tony Jones Jr. had, and you sub you sub Dexter Williams in for him, and let's just say, but the, but the runs are different. You know, add a few more stuffs, but then like a longer, say like a sixty-five yard touchdown run. I think there's much more praise headed that way than what Tony did, which I think is a goddamn shame. You know what I mean? I, I am, and I, I'm not, I haven't been one of Tony's biggest fans throughout the years, but you know, I've kind of respected what his role and what he's done. I just kind of find it a shade that, that, you know, if this would have been more like a Dexter performance last year than the 130 yard range, there'd be much more praise headed that way. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was because the defense was so, fucking insane in the second half that it's hard to look because it really is it's hard to talk about virginia game without going through all the defensive uh you know plays that we had you know then you look you look back at that it was great i mean right he bailed out book on a day where book wasn't making decisions again yeah which is weird to say about a 17 for 25 performance where there was at least two drops right i mean it's two drops but he's all but he also had guys Wide open. He, t- I mean, the very first play of the fucking game, he takes a five yard sack running out of bounds instead of just throwing the ball away. Those are issues. I understand, like, the 68% completion, no turnovers. I am not, I'm not, I'm not trying to trash Ian Book. I am simply saying there is an inefficiency, there is an issue, there is a struggle, what, however you want to put it, going on with Ian Book. And when he's when we're having receivers streaking, multiple receivers on one play, you know, on at multiple plays, and you're not hitting them, and you're doing dumb shit like that, or you're you're rushing out, you're running right into a sack, or he's just there's something very very off, and it's but it's the same thing what we've seen since a lot of the you know from the second half of last season. So how much of that can get cleaned up? I don't know. You know, because it, it seems very normal now to watch book play that way. And that's the thing is he doesn't have the we thought he had happy feet in the Louisville game. And I don't I don't think we've seen that as much, although we did see a couple of instances in the Virginia game that were frustrating. But the the vision on the field and and uh, again, friend of the, pod, know, the passes right? that he's supposed to hit, like the, the slants that were used automatic, right? Like. This is what we we were we knew book was was like an accurate pass like that I I keep having that pass to Javon McKinley flash on my head every time I'm thinking about book it's like you know yes it hit McKinley in the hands but he was stretched for that bad boy and he was open if book just dials that in like he's supposed to McKinley might still be running you know what I mean like 
it was one of those plays. It was it would have been a play similar to like New Mexico with maybe without all the broken tackles. But he would he hit he would have been able to hit McKinley in stride, and he would have had at least another twenty, maybe thirty yards after the catch. Yeah, but it just there's a lot of offness to Ian, but it's it's so close. You 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 kind of make yourself believe that it's something that can be fixed. I was just, I was it just, just gonna, hasn't been. I was just going to say that uh, our friend Greg from UHND had a good breakdown today of yes. about four yes. plays, uh, which he was like, this doesn't seem to make sense of why he wasn't looking at these certain receivers. And, you know, and some of them, to be honest with you, were completions to other receivers. It just, there was, they, he took an option B when an option A would, you know, would have gotten him a, maybe even a touchdown. So and I think that's what's so mad. Um, it, feel, it feels weird to to nitpick some of that stuff, but at the same time, um, I was that's the difference. That is was, the difference right there. I was sitting at the end uh, of the field in the third quarter. Again, Notre Dame's down three at this point. Uh, it's like third and six. Claypool runs right across the middle. Like it, he must have been in his view, and book in, inexplicably ran into the middle of the the scrum. And it was like a, a gain of zero and they had a punt out of their own end zone. And it just, it, 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 that was the kind of stuff that was like, how do you not see him? You know, how do you not see your six foot four uh, your number one target across the middle? Who's your number one target? Yeah. So. I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's so maddening the decisions that he's making. And then when he does make like, so between that and just being off just to whatever it is, throwing the ball. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not a quarterbacks coach. I'm not, uh, I don't got to, I don't have guys come over and, and I don't shake brooms at them or anything like that. So maybe I don't know, don't know what I'm talking about, but there, something's off enough, right? Where the passes that we've seen him make with ease, have seen a big struggle and a big decline in, in production. I, you know, maybe part of that has to do with maybe that's his second or third read or going back. I don't know. I, I, that's a, it's my it's mind boggling to wonder what the hell is going on. The problem for me is, you know, there's the the person out there who can say it was a 15 point win. You know, 17 for 25. Like, you know, what's your? So he didn't see Cole Komet streaking down the middle of the field and the and the what was it, the first series? Uh, what's the big deal? the The big deal is that you may get two or three of these kind of game-defining plays against a Michigan or a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl opponent. And if you don't yeah. capitalize on them, you're going to get your lunch eaten. And then yeah, it makes, it, exactly. And you, you, gonna you've got to be able to – right now he has shown not one bit of ability to hit to do that. And that's going to be needed. I mean, even with as light of a schedule as we have, those plays are still going to be needed to, to win out. Whether it's at, like you said, like at Michigan, USC coming up, even going out to Stanford and their trash defense, I don't care. Navy, <laughs> you're, there's going to be a game or two left where you're going to have to be completely on point with those kind of plays, and they should be automatic by now. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't Ian Book's first rodeo. You know, he came in against LSU, you know, and directed directed a win. For, you know, in a, in a bowl game in the Citrus Bowl, you know, he came in half the season last year, got on fire, t- drove us to an undefeated season. I mean, this, he, he should know better by now. 
This, right, and, and you know, that, I, you have to wonder. You do have to wonder. You know, are there other things going on within the coaching route with the aspect of it all that are is affecting him? Well, that's not much on, on his plate. But that notwithstanding, I mean, to your point, that play that might even beat Georgia at the end of the game doesn't even put us in that position. And that, like, that's the that's the precipice that we're on in terms of Notre Dame football, where you need to make that play and you need to say, you know, we're going to beat Georgia, and we're going to we're not we're not going to have to worry about this later. Because at some point we're not going to be Notre Dame anymore. We're not going to be right. You know, South Carolina. We're going to be the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the world. Because if it's not going to be a playoff this year, and again, that it is what is whatever it's going to be, right? Right. If it's, it is, it, we we have no. Then the, there is no idea right now. I don't care right. who you the, are. You're not going to be able to, to predict the, it right now. The secondary goal, and I know no one's supposed to admit this or whatever, but the secondary goal has to be. Winning a New Year's Six bowl game and and knocking the 1994 monkey off the back and absolutely I don't want to be matched up against somebody who has a, a has a great defense and doesn't allow um, you know and Ian has to make these decisions faster more decisively and decisions more decisively now I sound like Doug Flutie but you know what I mean like he has to absolutely. make he has to make the rapid fire decisions and he has to trust what he sees and if the pocket is rapidly closing because he's playing one of those, you know, guys with uh, amazing ends or interior linemen or something, then he's going to have to find Tommy Tremble coming over the middle or Cole Komet, you know, or uh, Chris Fink coming across the, you know, coming from left to right or whatever. He's got to see those, those plays because otherwise it's going to be a long ass day, long ass January day. Uh, and we're all going to be miserable again, you know? And this is exactly what, my my first column after the recap was to address the you know just the struggling that we're having on offense you know the book not seeing those things and all that and I kind of caught a lot of shit from it a little bit <laughs> I you know like this is you know, depressing after a fifteen point win over a top twenty team look I get all that you know we're gonna have you know we had plenty of stories patting ourselves on the back coming up. But one of the things that stuck out to me the most out of that game, whether you like it or not, was the plays that I saw that we should have executed and we didn't. And I'm not alone because Brian Kelly was right there to sit to say the same thing. And then I don't know if <laughs> there's a lot of subtweeting going on or what, but there's a lot of mention of like negative articles about this game. And I'm pretty sure I might have been the only one that pointed it out as quickly as I did, you know, without, so I think some people took issue with it, but I'm telling you this, that's the key right there. The defenses came along beautifully. I mean, beautifully. And offensively, yeah. I'm not sure where it's at. Is, we're, is it play calling? Is it book seeing the field? Is it because protections break? I mean, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of issues, right? Along with injuries. Claypool wasn't a hundred percent against Virginia. I mean, he, he took he took a cut and fell down because his ankle was hurting it so bad. You know, there, there's issues all on that offensive side of the ball. And oh, by the way, we have no Jafar Armstrong. And I think Jameer Smith only pl played a couple of snaps. I don't know if maybe if he if they were just riding Tony again, or if Jameer had, had hurt himself, or you know really wasn't up to snuff 
to be playing that game, but I don't believe he got more than I think he got a couple of carries, and but it was early on. I didn't remember seeing him after that. Yeah, and Sebo played pretty well too. Yeah, Sebo so. played pretty well, and that was and really good for him to get that, get some confidence, you know, in a in a young runner like that, that which is fantastic. And he and he ran hard, uh, broke some tackles. There's some pretty bad tackling going on uh, on that, and I think even Tommy Tremble had a missed tackle uh, on Sebo's <laughs> touchdown run, but. Uh, you know, it, it, there's just something amiss, there. and I think if they get it all together, they're they are absolutely going to be fine. Um, which you know, of course, that's the simplistic way. Of, of course, it makes sense, but it's just out there right now, and so you can't you can't say everything's hunky dory, and and see what you saw. And I, I the argument after like the Syracuse game last year is the same what they're putting here. Look. Syracuse was a top 15 team where they were ranked 12 for what it was and everyone wanted to get all, that's great and all, but it was still Syracuse. They really had no business being ranked that high. Just as I don't, I'm not too certain Virginia deserved to be a, really a top 20 team. I, I see, you know, they, they only slid down to 23, I think in the AP poll. So they're, they're sticking around and look, they, they might win out except for Clemson or maybe they'll get Clemson. Who knows what Clemson now after you watch they, that North Carolina game? They went up five. Uh, they went up five spots in the SB Nation Fan Pulse poll, which was like I thought it was amazing. You know, you know they, who else went up was Cal, and they lost. Cal was like twenty three last week in the SB Nation Fan Pulse. I think they ended up at at seventeen or something like that uh, this week with a loss. <laughs> Like, like we bumped we bumped Cal up losing to Arizona State. Virginia's Pat rest of their football schedule doesn't look too tough. I mean, Miami, Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Liberty, and Virginia Tech. I mean, you don't have to play Clemson unless you play them in the championship. That sounds no, like a pretty I mean, good deal. Yeah, they're looking at like a nine-win season. Pretty I mean, you could legitimately say for sure they're gonna win nine games, right? That's only that's two more losses. So you usually say Clemson as one and then pick another one. And I think that's legit. I think them having a nine win season is probably, you know, and it could be better. Like I think nine almost feels like the floor a little bit with Virginia. That's, that's a bottom of the top 25 sort of thing. I get it, but (laughs) just because their record states something doesn't mean they are that, you know what I mean? Your record doesn't say who you are. There's been plenty of teams out there who have had, you know, two or three lost seasons that were a much better team than a team with one loss. You know what I mean? I, I don't see Virginia being a top 15 style team. I, I didn't see Syracuse that way either. They just so happened to have won some games against a schedule that wasn't all that demanding. I, I don't really consider that you know, on the same lines as like, you know, you take a, take a one, if it was a one loss for, let's put it this way, if you put a one loss Virginia and uh, I don't know, this, I guess this is a shitty way to put it, but like a, or a three loss Florida in a bowl game, who's favored Florida, right? By like 10. So, I mean, take it for what it is. I think it's a shitty way to put it, but I think maybe you're getting my point. We're getting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just because I, a record doesn't say exactly who you are. I, 
I that I fully agree with. So yeah, yeah, point taken. All right. So, do we got anything else we want to talk? I, I you know, I did want to mention this one because we were talking about book. I wanted to make sure that, and I put this I th- in one of the story. I don't know. We've shit. We've published so much in the last day and a half. But number one, you know, it's nonstop. I I get it throughout the entire game. I get it in comments. You know, whether they're trashing Chip Long or they're trashing Ian Book, and Number one, people are people are bitching about them not spread, you know, not going vertical with the ball, and they're put. <coughs> excuse me, they're putting that. <coughs> I'm gonna die here. They're putting that on Chip Long, like they don't practice it, which is total horseshit. That's not what goes down. What you're seeing is book not, not, you know, him not pushing the ball. But another thing is too is you know fans are so quick to like just put in Phil. Put in, you know, put in the backup, put in the backup. And now there's, this evolves into now, you know, we're thinking about book is probably coming back next year, right? Before the season, everyone thought uh, just, it was based off of just one small answer in an interview uh, before the bowl game last year, that book was probably looking at his last, last year. Now there's more of the, the consensus that, you know, that he's not going to, you know, leave for the NFL, which would be a smart decision for him to come back for another year as it is. But now everyone's worried about Jerkovic. Is he going to transfer and all that? The thing Ooh. is, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about him transferring. Who? I'm sorry. Who? You know what I'm saying. No, I think Throw you're talking about backup caller Phil Jerkovic, who, who should have his name pronounced correctly every single week. I'm pronouncing it correctly until you throw a touchdown pass. Your name is what it is. I'm gonna get how many, time, how many times did I say? Hey, how many times did I say Finky tonight? I, None. I'm you know gonna, why? I'm gonna get you know why? Because he's a senior captain, and I'm showing him the respect that he deserves. Now, anyway, let's put it this way: Phil has only been, he's already got a red shirt. He's already burned a red shirt. If he leaves, if he leaves after this year to transfer because Book is coming back, it makes absolutely dick sense unless he has some kind of Justin Fields or Tate Martell trick up his sleeve with a lawyer, which I don't think he has to get immediate eligibility. He'd still got to sit out of here. So I don't think Phil's going, Phil's not going anywhere, you know, and he'll still have two years of eligibility. That may not be ideal in this world quarterbacks that we like to see with three years of eligibility. Uh, but you know, a lot of those guys aren't sticking around for those full three years anyways. So I just like I'm been kind of dismissing that whole thing. Number one, every report I've read about about him is he's pretty happy where he's at, and he's developing. He's not ready yet. Whether you like it or not, he's just he's not ready to take over the reins. So, you know, and I, even to that point, I don't trust him yet. I mean, I I have a little bit. I still have some trouble with Ian Book. I I still have you know, regardless of the mistakes he's been making. There are mistakes that are frustrating to me right now because there are things that he did not do. Like these are things that surprise me that he's done because of play that we've already seen. It's it's contrary to what to what we had known. So there's the there's a chance that that he can get you know get a lot better. So I just want to make sure I keep screaming loudly that 
shut the hell up with the transfer talk. He's not, I don't think it's going to happen. It wouldn't be a smart move on his part anyways. And there's that. Do you, do you think that Phil came to play school? <laughs> he might have. Cause if he, if he didn't, I mean like national championship. Confirmed. I don't, I mean, a lot of guys at Notre Dame come to. So we'll see. <laughs> there mean, might have been too many of them during, yeah. <laughs> during the uh, Willie to have a wife. I don't know. We'll see. So is there anything else you want to add to about the Virginia game? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. We're, we're well past people. And look, I didn't mean to downplay – a top 20 win like I did. Yeah, no, yeah. But, but, I mean, at the same point, I, I've just seen too many people in the last few days like hold that up to like this huge thing. And it's just, just like, all right, that's cool and all, but it's it's really not – I don't want to say not that impressive. It's just – but it's just not like – it's not like you – it's not like the Michigan win last year. Right, right. Start of the season, all right? Let's – you got to keep some context in it. They, Notre Dame was a uh, was a double digit favorite going into the game. They won by double digits. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. And to your point there, I mean like nobody thought Virginia was going to be a ranked win this year. And a lot of people thought Notre Dame was going to get run out of the building by Georgia. So we're exactly where we thought we were going to be, right? With a close loss to Georgia and a big win over a ranked Virginia team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny how that worked out. Seems yeah. like Last year, uh, we had a lot of that too, right? With yeah. Northwestern being this division champion and yeah. Florida State being, uh, being, being down on their luck. Yeah, so let's remember where we are in this point in time. Like, we are, we, we are where we are. And where we are is welcoming with open arms Brian Van Gorder and the Bowling Green Falcons. And you may not know, but Brian Van Gorder is not the of Bowling Green. <laughs> <laughs> but we, no one is mentioning Bowling Green's uh, head coach. I, I can't remember. I don't, I'm not sure if I've seen his name in print. Scott Leffler? Uh, so far this week. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, now I take that back. I it's saw Scott. a video of him talking about Notre Dame, uh, but that was it. Still Scott Leffler, right? It still is. That was still. one P who played for Michigan. Say what? He was a he played for Michigan, right? Did he now? Yeah, he was a quarterback for Michigan before Tom Brady. I'm Where the hell is I? I I'm I don't recall that at all. Up. Well, God, now I got a whole new lease on life. I I, I can hate again. Whew. Man, I got a week where I got some. Uh, I get a little more fun. Oh, fantastic! I didn't know that. I've. I had just had no idea that just did not ever cross my mind. Okay. So uh, you got a skunk bear coming back here with BVG. Life is grand. Look, 44, 44 and a half point favorites. Jude, is there, I mean, do you think they'll cover? Yep. I do. By a good margin? I, I think this will be a Michigan, uh, uh, New Mexico type <laughs> crooked score, you know? and. I'm look, frankly, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, a yeah, the, the I missed the Virginia game, so it was, I went up to the New Mexico game at 66 14. Now I'm going to this game. It's just gonna, it, it is a tedious, tedious task 
to to see all those touchdowns. You know what I mean? It's just constantly. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah, go ahead. Don't drink too many White Claws in the tailgate and the parking lot uh, before you j- walk into the stadium because uh, you know it'll probably be a nice day and you'll be sitting in that you'll be sitting in that sun and and it'll be hard. It'll be hard to uh, keep interested in the game when it's uh, so lopsided. Well, I did request a seat move, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that happens uh, to kind of protect you from the sun a little bit. Um, I haven't. You're our meteorologist. I haven't really looked too much of the weather. Um, <laughs> So we'll, we'll see about that. But I know I don't, it's a two 30 game. I, I mean, I'm not really too sure if I'm going to get up there all that early. I might just get up there maybe like around one 30. Uh, so that's, I'm going to have to, uh, there's strategic spots on the, on my way from where I park at up to the stadium. So I'll have to hit some strategic spots before I get, uh, get up there and get in the stadium. Might might have to spend a few extra seconds at each strategic spot. <laughs> we'll see about that. Brad, what do you think? Think the cover? Uh yeah, for sure. I I mean, specifically the like the Mac is not what it used to be. And I mean, like you look at teams like Miami who just gets blown out by Ohio State, who beat Cincinnati by less, and then Cincinnati blows out Miami. And then Miami goes and blows out Buffalo, I and mean, this is the Mac as it is now. I mean, Bowling Green, no one's no one's talking about Bowling. Notre Dame covers. It's like Jude said, another New Mexico State type of situation. It's it's not going to be. Look, when they played the Mac, it was uh, they played Kent already. That was sixty two twenty. Yeah, against Kent, there was a. I think Kent had. 750 total yards. Yeah, 750. And that's a conference game. And, yeah, and, we're all, and we're all sitting around talking about how great Kent is, right? Kent, yeah. Kent, you Kent, know. Kent, Kent State. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of him. Hey, uh, Lauren uh, is a Kent grad, so we, can, we can't speak too bad. But, you know, as everybody should know, One Foot Down is a Mac website. Okay, take what I said back. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Hey, we got, hey, we got Lido back for hockey too. So now we're doubled Jeez. up on Eastern. Hell's yeah. Jesus. Third floor wise hall, baby. Uh, uh, good schools. Do you guys want you guys want to take a stab at no, it's not. No, they're not. <laughs> My, Miami is like the only thing holding up that entire conference. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe OU. OU is a good journalism school. Yeah, I mean, oh, you, the, Eastern puts out a lot of teachers, which if I went to Eastern, let me tell you, I feel sorry for the children because <laughs> you party with them, you know what they are, oh, uh, but they put out a shit ton of teachers. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. I don't know. Moving on. I'm not going to trash the Mac. God bless you. I fucking oh, love you. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Jude, you got a score in mind? I mean, you're talking about cover. Are we looking at an 80 pointer? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think 80 is attainable. But you know what? Let's go 69 to six. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
very nice. I mean, they lost 52 nothing to Kansas State, who only had like 525 yards compared to Kent. You know, I mean, Kent lit him up. Yeah. It gets real hard to score when Brendan Clark's your starting uh, quarterback. And, you know, not to say they didn't score with Brendan Clark as your starting quarterback, but I just, you know, you can get to 49 pretty easily. And then it gets kind of like, how do you get those last couple of scores, right? Yeah, no doubt. And look, against Kansas State, Bowling Green only had 140 total yards, 140 yards to their 525. Watched. I watched the first quarter of that game, and that I, was brutal. It was, yeah. I think. I, mean, I think uh, Kansas State was up twenty-four nothing. Maybe at the, after the first, it was. It was bad. Uh, no, it was. It was. Um, it was fourteen nothing after the first. Okay. But then they scored three touchdowns in the second. And if you know how I'm rattling it off, it's just I don't have these off the top of my head. Go to if you if you're listening to this go, right now, go to one foot down. Go to the Notre Dame football power rankings. Uh, article that I have up, there is a uh, a Tableau tool up on there that has uh, like game flow charts, and you can do it for all the games going back to 2013. So right now I have Bowling Green and Kansas State pulled up, and I'm looking at game flow, which shows you yardage throughout the game, touchdown scored, win. Um, it's nice. It's a nice little nice little tool to to see how the game game went. Uh, uh, this is uh, from uh, what? Is Paul Dalen's work, right? Yeah, yeah. This, well, it's Paul Dalen, and um, I, I, I want to say Zane Muffet, but his last name isn't Muffet. Uh, <laughs> but Zane, he's he, he's a writer over at Kook Center. It's it's his t- uh, Tableau account, so we we use that for uh, the game flow. Now well, I I use that for the for the matchup stuff. Um, he's got a bat. He's, he's got some, he's got some nice stuff over there. Murphy Murphy. Yeah. Murphy. Yeah, there you go. Smurfit, but yep, not. <laughs> so it's a nice chart. That's how, that's how I'm just rattling this shit off, right? Uh, today, it almost seems like I'm prepared. Um, and I'm just a, a quick click is all. All right. So, Brad, I got a score from Jude. Do you want to you throw in a score? I'm going to say 56 to 7. Just edging. Just getting that cover, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. Just, you know, maybe one time we'll cover. It'll be, it'll be nice. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to flat out say 70 to nothing. Period. 10 touchdowns. It, it just seems like a nice even number. Respect. I think Jude's Jude's calling for a Jonathan Dorn miss. I, I I can't see a field goal getting kicked in this game. Actually, maybe Harrison uh, so. misses it. I don't know. Ah, so. uh, don't don't drag lacrosse bro kicker into the mud. Not yet. Ah, <sighs> uh, so hey, one last thing I want to I want to go before we get out of here um, is. Immense sadness for Sean Crawford's injury. I, I know he's going to be back you know, three to four weeks. I get that. But the moment that it happened was, I, I, I you know, I, I didn't expect myself to feel that emotional. Um, but I, I did. I, I saw it and was like, 
instantly just had a horrible feeling in my stomach and really got upset, you know, thinking about, thinking about Crawford. I, I had no idea I w- was that emotionally attached. Maybe it's because of hashtag Ohio. I don't know. Uh, but the guys laid his, laid his whole body out during his career, um, you know, at Notre Dame. Uh, the great news is, though, he is coming back. But Notre Dame is going to miss him against Michigan and USC. Um, all that preseason talk about who is going to be the corner opposite of Troy Pride, it just like, I don't know, everyone dismissed the fact that it would just end up being Sean Crawford. And, you know, it had worked out. So not having him over on that side for, for the next four weeks or so is, is going to be a difficult task. Um, but I think they can manage. But uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm ridiculously happy that because it looks awful. It looked absolutely brutal. Um, but I am glad that he's going to get a chance to to come back and uh, let's, let's get him through the rest of the season. Yeah, being in the stadium when that happened and seeing his arm and how just the wrong direction it was going, and the entire defense took a knee and thought it was Sean Crawford's last snap ever. And it really took a lot of the excitement and air out of like just being a part of the game and and watching that happen. And it really and and watching him get up and carry his arm to the you know basically carry his dislocated like lower part of his arm to uh, the tent. And then watching the defense get back and start playing was like deflating. It really you felt really bad for the guy. But hearing that he's only out for four to six weeks is is awesome. Three to four. Three to four. Oh, three to four. Then that's yeah. even better. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be great to have Sean back. Okay, Jude, you ready to go to bed? I'm ready, man. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. We're gonna wrap it up from there. Keep checking back at onefootdown.com for all week long. I'm sh- we're about to hit some fun stuff with Pat's previews and uh, you got, we, let's get some haiku, haiku fun going on here with BVG. Uh, but uh, check us out. Like I said, make sure you rate review us. You can listen to us. Apple podcast, Spotify, overcast work. I mean, whatever is more comfortable for you. Uh, I am here to, to, uh, to make that uh, easier for you. So for that, go Irish.